been doing a series recently, and I'm going to continue that a little bit. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, remember Anne Breed, and then Lizzie, wasn't Lizzie wonderful last week? Anyone remember that was called? And listen, yes. So this morning I want to talk about and believe, and believe, and then I think next week I'm looking at and worship. And uh, I don't know why we've got the word and in front of all these things, but why not? So I want to talk about our core beliefs, our innermost beliefs, and what that uh, affects and how that affects our lives, and the things we see in our life and how we view things and how we view others around us is often through the lens of our core beliefs. Even what makes up our reality is what we hold to be true. And what we understand, or when we begin to understand what our core truth or core belief is, our core reality, we begin to understand how we act or interact with the world around us. And maybe there's an argument between nature and nurture. I think that's an argument that keeps going round and round. But it plays a part in us knowing who we are and knowing ourselves, knowing where we've come from and hopefully knowing where we're going to and orientate ourselves in the world, that we have a plan, that we have a purpose, that we have a direction. If we don't, the Scripture calls us lost, and uh, we don't want to be lost when we have been found. And I know there's times in our lives that we struggle and uh, in maybe in these areas, the innermost thought that comes to us in those challenging times um, causes us to go back to that, that root of what do we believe about ourselves? How do we view ourselves, when, particularly when things aren't going right, or maybe when they are going right? But knowing ourselves and being, to a degree, kind of self-aware, I think is useful. It's a good starting point. It helps us with it. It helps us if you're planning a map and a route to know where you are. But also you need to know where you're going so you can plot a course and plan your life accordingly and walk forward with purpose and direction and goals. I think those things are important. And maybe we need to challenge our thoughts. If our thinking is not lining up with the Word of God, maybe we need to challenge some of those core beliefs. Maybe we need to say, why am I thinking this way? Why am I believing this? about myself? Why do I believe this about someone else? Is it something that I need to challenge myself and I need to thereby grow? Because how many know we don't stay the same? We grow, we mature, we develop. And I believe Scripture has a real key part in in our growth that we might hear the Word of God for our lives, but it doesn't just be hearing only, like James wrote, but we put into practice those things that we're hearing. My scripture this morning is from Romans 10.10, and I'll read this. It says, The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness. Hear that? The heart that believes in him receives the gift of righteousness, and then the mouth confesses, which results in our salvation. So I want to look at uh, several things here this morning. Um, what happens when we're challenged in our beliefs, in our faith? What happens if we begin to doubt? What happens if we're challenged by some things, maybe 
doubting that God is for her, maybe even doubting that God is real or God is who he says he is and we are who God says we are. And there's a struggle, isn't there? It's interesting, the name Israel. Israel means to struggle with God, to wrestle with God. The story of Jacob when his name was changed. To those who struggle. And I think if you read read any Jewish history, I think the struggle with God was very real. So we can struggle and understand that our struggle is often quite real. But there are Bible verses that help us, that help us renew our heart renew our belief, to begin to understand who God is, to go on that journey of discovery of who God is, discovering who we are in the light of what God says about us. I think those things are important. So we can see God move in our lives throughout the circumstances that we have and let our faith grow. So it matters what is at the core of our belief. It matters. It matters what we put into ourselves that will develop that belief. Guard your heart, the scripture says, for out of it flows all the issues of your life. It matters because what we speak affects, if what we speak comes out of our hearts and what we speak affects our salvation, then we need to watch this. So the first point this morning is the link between our heart and our mouth. The second one is, what does it mean to have the gift of righteousness? The gift of righteousness. And then ultimately, what is the key to salvation? So I want to run through those quick three points with you this morning. Our heart and our mouth. In Matthew 15, Jesus begins to teach his disciples, and he speaks to them and says, it's not what goes into your mouth, because it goes into your stomach and is eliminated, but it's what comes out of your mouth that brings defilement because what comes out of your mouth reveals actually what is at the very core of your being. It's not the, it's not the food that pollutes us, but it's the words that we speak. And we've heard the saying, haven't we, you are what you eat, and that, that is true. But maybe also you are what you speak. You ever stop to listen to yourself, just record your your daily speaking and how you talk about yourself, how you talk about others. And uh, maybe that can reveal in our hearts how close we are to Jesus. Also, Jesus warns the Pharisees, didn't they? They, they would say the right things outwardly, but their actions certainly didn't line up with what they were speaking. And Jesus calls them hypocrites. And I'd say we have those today. To some extent, you know, people can tell you or give you all the advice, but they don't actually live it themselves. You know, maybe in today's culture, we call it virtue signaling. You know, it's all about being having the appearance of doing what's right, but actually not caring at all. He says in Matthew 12, this is Jesus, verse 34. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know what lies within us, within our core belief, because it naturally comes out. An example today in our culture, we have a lot of people with superstitions. You know, and then they're kind of looking for bad things to happen, or they're looking for the black cat, or the ladder, or Friday the 13th, or whatever it is, or 
wearing their sock inside out because, you know, that's going to change everything. We laugh about it, you know, and how people run across a room just to touch a piece of wood just in case something bad is going to happen to them or they're looking for bad things that happen in threes, you know, and then something else happens and you think, well, that's not three. Is that the beginning of another three? And am I going to live in fear of all of these things, you know? Maybe a silly example, but for some, these superstitions go too far. You know, you know, if you believe in, in ghosts and you believe in all these, you know, things and you're lying in bed and you hear a bump downstairs and, you know, if your core belief is this is something spiritual that's coming to attack me, you know, you're not going to have a good night's sleep. But if you don't believe in those things, you say, oh, it's just a wind. And you go back to sleep. We don't want to be superstitious like the culture around us. We want to believe and trust in God. At the very core of our being is this fundamental belief that God is love. And God gives good gifts to his children. He is the father of lights, the scripture says, and in him there's no shadow of turning. That it can bring us to a place of security in our lives, and then we can begin to order our lives as such. And if our lives are just full of negative talk or, you know, self-doubt, that could be an indication of us at the core of our being not really believing that we're created in the image of God that he says we are. The heart and the mouth, they're connected. My second point is this gift of righteousness that we have. This gift comes from a heart that believes. And Christ's gift, like all of God's gifts and Christ's gifts, they come through faith. We receive them by believing them. And I think the enemy would love us to get to start to doubting God's word. You look in Genesis 2 when the serpent comes to Adam and Eve and tries to deceive them into doubting of what God said. And that's the tactic that's been in the beginning and to entice the human beings to believe a lie so they could hand over the rule that humanity was given to the enemy. And this rule of humanity was that conditional, conditional on relationship with God. This is why we pray for our leaders because we want our rule to be our godly rule. You know, if you're going to rule and you're going to reign, it's not toxic if it's in submission to Jesus Christ. And that's the kind of godly rule we need in our nation, in our homes. And this deception for these human beings get, tried to get them to doubt God's word. And Hebrews 11 says that faith comes by hearing the words of Christ. And by engaging with this word of Christ, then faith comes. And thereby, when we engage with this word, we start to believe. Like Romans 8 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? I think that's a good thing to have in your core belief. That what can these things do unto me? What, how could they even separate me from the love of God that I found in Christ Jesus? Whatever I'm going through. And I think Paul went through it again and again. But you believe in Isaiah 54 that says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. 
And we start engaging our minds with the words of Christ. We start engaging our minds with the word of God. And the enemy would love to distract us in a subtle way to get us to stop engaging with the word. He'd love to prevent us from hearing God's word, distracting us. Maybe, you know, this is why we can switch off our minds and engage and binge and Netflix, you know, for hours and hours, but open your Bible and you're struggling. You're struggling to stay awake when the pastor's preaching. Just nudge your neighbor. Say, wake up. The Word of God, the, the, the Word of God is something we need to be true to, but we need to be intentional and disciplined. You know, building discipline builds that resilience within us. And how many know we need people with resilience today? And it seems like this world just wants to put us to sleep, binging on this and that, doing whatever it can, doing whatever we want to make us feel happy. But no real purpose, no real drive, no real intention about who we are and where we're going. I think we need to be intentional about the Word of God, disciplined about the Word of God, and these things will help orientate us. Otherwise, we're just lost because we watch some Netflix on uh, doc- documentary. There are other channels apart from Netflix. We watch some documentary, and then we're persuaded to think that way. Or we watch something else, and we're persuaded to think that way, and there's a meme pop up, and you think, you know, and we're tossed to and fro, the Scripture says, by every wind of doctrine or idea, and we're kind of beginning to not really know what to think. But the Word of God keeps us true. We need to be intentional with that Word of God. Amen? The Word of God brings about lasting fruit. Fruit that remains steadfast. The Word of God is living and active as a force of change in our life. The Word of God comes forward and it accomplishes that which it's sent out to do and it does not return void and empty to God. There's nothing else apart from the Word of God that does this and Christ is the ultimate Word of God. The washing of the water of the Word, Paul says in Ephesians 5, that he says Christ washes us and sanctifies His church by a continual washing. An important part of Jesus' ministry we can read in John 13 is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And they didn't really understand what was going on, especially Peter. And he came to Simon Peter, this is verse 6. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you do not understand what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Peter said, you will never wash my feet. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus said, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean, and you are already clean. This notion of being already clean, Jesus clarifies in John 15, verse 3, and he says, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken. We're ever feeling like we could need a need a wash. You feel like you need a wash. This idea of the feet is really interesting because it's your feet that touch the earth. 
I guess they wore sandals back in those days. I don't know if they had hot, sweaty feet all the time or dusty feet. But you know, it's that humanness about us. You know, because how many know you're washed and you're clean and you know God loves you and you're forgiven and you're whole, but there's something about you that's still a bit human. And sometimes our feet stink. Can I see your hand, brother? <laughs> but don't put your hand up. But you know what? Jesus isn't overly concerned about our stinky feet. Because who is the one with the towel wrapped around him? Who is the one at our feet washing us, cleansing us? You know, God's not upset that we're human beings. He loves that we're human beings and he washes us and cleanses us with the water of his word. My final point is this, salvation. Because the heart believes and the mouth speaks resulting in our salvation. And it could be said that we were saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved. As in, we are saved from our past. Can I hear a hallelujah? You're not who you used to be. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul reminds the Corinthians and says, you were once like this, but you're not anymore. You were once idolaters, fornicators. You, had the, you were idolatrous sexual deviants. Isn't that an encouragement from Paul? But you, are, you were saved from that. You're no longer your old self. You're a new creation. He would go later on and say. And you're being saved by the washing of the water of God's word that let that water of God's word flush over you and make you clean. And finally, we will be saved in the resurrection in our new bodies in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. In scripture, this word salvation is an all-encompassing word. You know, it's a, a holistic word, to use a modern term. It's everything. Christ is interested in your body. He's interested in your mind. He's interested in your soul. He's interested in your spirit and that wholeness of that salvation. This mindset was very common in Judaism. And the early church, they fought against uh, some of these doctrines that would try and separate out and say, well, that's your spirit. Well, that's your physical, you know, and the, the, the physical is all evil and the body is evil and beyond redemption. And it's just our spirits that, you know, we're hanging around in our, these meat bodies, these carnal bodies, waiting for that day when we'll finally be released from that body. And that's the Gnostic kind of idea that separates out the spirit and the body. But the church fought against that doctrine. And uh, what that proposes then, the end of that is the body doesn't matter. What you do doesn't matter because ultimately you're a spiritual being and you've got to kick it out of here. So... You know, don't worry, don't look after the physical, doesn't matter. But these are so wrong doctrines because it does matter what we do in our body. Our matter, matter matters, if you like. But this, there's the opposite as well that, you know, that we're not spiritual beings. That's again, uh, uh, you know, that we're just these physical, biological beings that uh, evolved over millions of years and there's nothing else to us but our meat packet of carnal desires and yeah do what you want because nothing ever matters but i think the truth of scripture you know our bodies are resurrected you know our bodies are important this is why you know we can't just uh be a sexual deviant we can't just sleep around and then think it doesn't affect us on the inside it's not possible 
So we are spiritual beings, but we are also physical beings. And the truth is that these things matter. Matter matters. But Christ is interested in us physically, emotionally, spiritually. Christ is interested when it comes to our salvation, that our faith in Christ has saved us from our destructive past, the things that we would call sin, those things are destructive. And we want to leave those things behind. We don't want bitterness, anger, malice. You know, We don't want all these things just to pollute ourselves. We want to live free from those. And Christ has made a way for us. And if we need to refresh our being, and Christ by his Holy Spirit comes, and he's more than able, more than capable to present us blameless and faultless in the presence of God with exceeding glory, it says in Jude 20. He's able to do that. Anyway, I'm closing. Christ has saved us from our destructive past. He saved us. He's saving us now and setting us apart from the world around us. And he'll save us in the future with the resurrection when his kingdom will be fully realized. I'll close where I started, Romans 10, 10. It's the heart that believes in him and receives the gift of righteousness. You know you're right with God. You know it. You believe it. It's right in here. That when God thinks about me, God thinks good things. I'm created in the image of God, and by Christ I'm restored to that image of God. And our mouth confesses resulting in our salvation. Perhaps we've been struggling in our faith, maybe wrestling with doubt. Maybe you're feeling sometimes that the universe is conspiring against us. However, right at our core belief, we know that Christ loves us. Even while we were far away, even while we were sinners, Scripture says Christ died for us. How much more will he love us? How much more does he want to pour out his Holy Spirit into our lives? It matters what we believe at the very core of our being as it affects what we say. And what we say affects what we do and what we do affects our salvation. That's the link, isn't it? How is our self-talk? How is our, our minds? Are our minds being renewed? by the word of God. Do we understand the gift of right standing by, by knowing who Christ is, but knowing who we are in Christ. Knowing that we are saved, we're being saved, and we're going to be saved. Amen.